Advancements in the medical field are giving nurses faster, more effective results than ever before. They should expect the same from their education, too. Capella University's game-changing FlexPath format allows you to set your own deadlines and leverage your experience to move faster through your program. So the faster you move, the more money you save. When you're ready, we'll be here. Visit capella.edu for a trial course at no cost to you. Capella University. Don't just learn, learn smarter. to the Porcher and Firefall Talk Radio. I'm Richard Grun. Pull up a chair. Let's get ready here on the porch to examine the Word of God. Take a look at the book of Acts Church. Get out your Bibles. Get out your apps. However you follow along, make sure you're ready to take notes and get into a deeper understanding of God's Word. And in doing that, we will do just like the book of Acts Church did. We will be creating the church that the Lord Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, wanted, and not the one that man made tradition created. Here on the porch, we are committed to restoring the priesthood of the believer and regaining the world-shaking influence the early church had. We believe the church age is still in effect. The fire still falls. The day of Pentecost is ongoing. It's available to you if you want it. Because you need it, you should have it. The porch was born out of Solomon's Porch, Inc. on solomonsporch.org, a Florida non-for-profit since January of 2000. If you have any questions, you can visit on solomonsporch.org or you can go to firefalltalkradio.com and use the contact button at firefalltalkradio.com. There are ways to support us and we appreciate everyone who does. Make sure you bookmark the Spreaker site for Firefall Talk Radio, which is Spreaker.com forward slash user forward slash Firefall Talk Radio, all one word, lowercase, or just put the app on your smart device and do it that way. Thank you to our old original blog talk radio listeners, iHeartRadio, iTunes, and Spotify. Regarding blog talk, they had offered me a deal to stay Uh, For some reason, they can't get the billing software to put the deal in place. And the only way I can do that is to cancel that original account and start over. And the only reason I'm staying there is because of all the shows that have been logged there already. So it looks like our days on Blog Talk are coming to an end. So subscribe to Firefall Talk Radio on your Spreaker app, and you'll know when new shows are being posted. We're working on some Overwatch, and some other things. We always start out with praise reports and prayer requests. It's the way we ride, so let's praise the Lord. I praise Him for my home, for my wife, for my son, daughter-in-law's grandson, all of our furry kids. Some of you call them pets. Every possession we have from our homes, all this technology. Uh, I praise Him for His protection, that Psalm 91 covering that's still in effect, for the ministry that He allows me to work for the dreams and the visions and everything that he does that I'm allowed to participate in. I praise him for living in a country that allows me to do this without hindrance so far. (coughs) Excuse me. So I praise him for America, I do. I believe that this country was originally founded based upon his inspiration, but I also know that other things have gotten into the mix. And the... Yeast, the leaven of the Pharisees, has been in this dough for a very long time. But I praise him anyway. Praise him for the signs that he's coming. He is coming, folks. We're going to talk a little bit about that tonight. So we're getting ready for his return. Praise him for the favor and the revelation and everything that he shares with me. But I want to pray. I want to pray for the Middle East. 
want to pray for Israel and the peace of Jerusalem, for the fatherless, the widows, the innocents, the victims of injustice. Oh, my goodness, both natural, uh, uh, human, animal. I mean, the injustice in this world is a clear sign that Hasatan and the fallen are busy. We should be busier. So let's pray for them. Let's pray for our brothers and sisters around the world being slaughtered and persecuted for their faith, losing everything. Praying against the slaughter of the innocents, the religious persecution, the anti-Semitism, the human trafficking, the ugliness of this world. Oh my goodness, if, if you can't see we're living in a fallen world that needs redemption, that needs the return of the king, you're missing it. So I'm praying for divine wholeness, health, and healing in all of us, getting back to our divine design, healing for the sick, for, for wounds inside and out, spiritual, physical, mental, emotional. I pray every day for the remnant to wake up, rise up, answer the call to action. If you've got provision, share it. If you've got talents, use them. If you know how to pray, get on your knees. Let's get going. If you can be a blessing, be a blessing. We will prosper in accordance with his words, and the open conduits of his blessings will flow. I pray for the victims of Hurricane Dorian. Not a home or building left undamaged on Grand Abaco Island, parts of Grand Bahama Island completely underwater, including the airport, and it's not done, sending its message up the east coast of the United States. So I pray for all those people that have been hurt. I sat here today a couple of times and wept wept as I read the stories. So let's pray for them. Continue to pray for my wife, Deb, here. Continue here in Orlando. Healing, relief from the pain and everything she deals with and restoration and also favor, favor in a situation that's been going on way too long. Stacy in Texas has just put out, she wants an unspoken prayer request, so please keep her and her family in your prayers. Kim in Fort Mitchell, is thankful for her salvation and her sobriety. The two go together and great place to start. It says, I praise you, Father, for my children, my friend Stacy in this ministry. Grateful for my mother. I praise you even in the storm. The enemy is causing so much confusion right now, it's hard for me to focus. I want to pray for the Bahamas and everyone affected by the storm and the ones to come. Praying for my friend Stacy and her children as well as the porch families. Father, my heart feels so heavy. A close friend in recovery relapsed two days before her second sobriety birthday. This hurts so bad. Why am I sober and she's not? I think it might have something to do with the fact of this prairie question, who you are saved by. I don't want her to lose what I don't want to watch her lose everything. Help her, Lord, please. Protect my children. Provide for us. She says, I'm praying for healing over our hearts and our bodies. Keep our animals safe and help us to help each other. Favor us, Lord. Keep us safe in this fallen world. Tired of seeing broken people everywhere. Look, I'm tired of watching the enemy trick people into his web of lies. Father, help me through this. I need you to show me what to do differently. How do I love the person and hate the demon? Lord, how do I get out of this financial mess? I know how. I have to start at the cross. Please take me there and show me what I've missed in Jesus' name. Well, Lord, you know all these things, but you said to come to you and offer them up to you, so we do. You know what they are even before we ask. So we thank you right now for answering these prayers. We speak to these things not as they are, but as they should be, and that they should come into alignment and accordance with your word and your promises. Your promise is a yea and amen, and though the enemy has influenced things and interfered with things, he has no authority over these things. So right now, any authority we've given the enemy by our choices, lack of choices, what we've done, what we haven't done, we stop blaming the enemy. We start taking responsibility for our own choices. So, Father, forgive us. Forgive us where we have failed you. Forgive us where we have failed ourselves, our families, and every. Everything we know to do, help us to do, Holy Spirit. So we start at the cross, as Kim suggested. We thank you for it. We are appalled by it. We are overwhelmed by it. But we're thankful for it. We're thankful for the blood that was shed to wash away our sins. We're thankful for your ability, Lord, to hold on 
for us and to do what you did for us because we were never going to be able to do it for ourselves. We were never going to be able to fulfill every aspect of the law. And if the law had been the measuring stick, we would have all been condemned. But you took that away and you offered us grace. So thank you, Father, for doing that. Thank you, Lord, for enduring it. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for teaching us and empowering us and walking with us and reminding us of that cross, but also reminding us of the empty tomb, reminding us of the upper room, reminding us of the word and the promises and everything that is in there. And as we live in this fallen world and we deal with the storms around us, we turn our eyes towards you, Lord, and we thank you. We thank you for being there for us. We thank you for helping us to understand what we're about to hear and walking it out and being beacons of light. Arise and shine into the darkness to guide the people home off the rocks of shipwrecking their lives and everything that they have. Let us shine, Lord, let us shine. Let that fire fall. And I pray this in Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah's name. Amen. These lessons are proprietary information, except where noted the information comes from outside sources. The combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. So tonight we're talking about preparedness. That's the title of this session of the porch, Preparedness. What is preparedness? It is the quality or the state of being prepared. Well, that word was in the news. It was the buzzword because of Hurricane Dorian. Preparedness. Get ready. Get your supplies. Move things. Clean things up. Get prepared. It's coming. We were warned over and over to get ready. But nothing can prepare you for a Category 4 hurricane of sustained winds of 185 miles an hour with wind gusts of 220 miles an hour. Nothing can prepare you for the fact that it briefly reached Category 5 when it hit landfall at 12.40 p.m. September 1st in Elbow Key, Abaco, in the Bahamas, on the Abaco Islands, with 190-mile-an-hour winds. And then it slowed to a crawl, dropped down to the Category 4, and destroyed almost all the buildings on Great Abaco Island, and sat over Grand Bahama Islands for almost 24 hours, leaving 30 inches of rain, the airport underwater buildings destroyed. On Monday, September 2nd, it was 280 miles across with hurricane-forced winds of 90 miles in diameter, slightly smaller than the state of Florida, but wider than the state of Georgia. How do you prepare for that? How do you prepare for what many meteorologists were calling the perfect storm, perfect eye, perfect tight motion, and perfectly destructive? The death toll is uncertain. They won't know for a while, but they suspect that many have been washed out to sea. The first official victim was a child. At first they said he was a seven-year-old boy, then he became an eight-year-old boy, and, and I'm not sure which it is, but he was a child. His sister was also missing. There are many people missing. They just don't know where they are. It'll be days before they know, if ever. Thousands of people have lost everything. Everything. I read a story today. I happened to post it on Facebook about a man who'd lived on the... <laughs> I can't believe it's going to happen. Lived on the island for 18 years. And he and his wife were caught in their house. They couldn't get out. And they, they were up near the ceiling, the only place they could get any air. And, they, and he watched his wife drown and die in front of her. The hypothermia took her under the water. The only reason he was still alive is because he swam out to a boat that was still moored to the dock. But he'd lost everything. How do you prepare for that? Well, I don't know. I really don't. But after you've done everything you can do in the natural, there's only one thing left to do, and that's pray. 
It may seem trite. I've seen people mocking on social media, people that obviously do not know the power of prayer. A lot of time praying, praying about the storm, praying it away from Florida, praying it off the coast. Uh, my brother Larry and I, fellow member of SR2, we spent hours praying. And I believe that there were moments that as we were praying, we were seeing our prayers answered in real time. And not because we were so special, but because I believe at that moment the Holy Spirit had inspired hundreds, maybe thousands of other people to pray the same thing at the same time and begin to change things. But the fact is, God had to answer prayer. And he had to be moved off the coast to the point that we experienced little to nothing. A little bit of rain, a little bit of wind, and that was it. But others weren't so lucky. So how do you explain to them that your prayers were answered and then theirs were not? You can't. You have to believe in the providence of God. You have to believe that he's in control. You have to believe that you live in a fallen world and sometime his hands are bound by our choices. But I know this, that prayer is a direct dialogue between God and his children, the covenant relationship of prayers for those who are his. John 9.31 says, Now we know that God, should be First John 9.31, We know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worship of God and does his will, he hears him. I believe that. I believe sometimes out of grace and mercy, he will answer the prayer of a sinner, especially if it involves salvation. But I also know that the covenant relationship we have with our Heavenly Father is that he hears our prayers. And if we have not bound him up by our choices, by giving the power to the enemy or through some aspects of our life, they will be answered. But don't make the mistake of thinking that prayer is an indicator of a person's spirituality or their righteousness. The only thing that prayer is is the indicator of a loving God who listens to his children. Exodus 3, 7, And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And of course, that led to the Exodus. But it went on for a while. He heard the cries of the people during the days of Noah. But the people had chosen the fallen angels over him, and it took a long time, hundreds, maybe even thousands of years before he answered their prayers. So just remember, somebody can pray powerful, powerful prayers, but that's not an indicator of who they are, but of who he is. Go to Psalm 86, starting in verse 1. It's called the Prayer of David, and I want you to look at how he prayed. David did know how to pray. He was a man after God's own heart, but he was a flawed man. Bow down your ear, O Lord, hear me, for I am poor and needy. Preserve my life, for I am holy. You are my God. Save your servant who trusts in you. Be merciful to me, O Lord, for I cry to you all day long. Rejoice the soul of your servant, for to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. For you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive and abundant in mercy to all those who call upon you. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer and attend to the voice of my supplications. In the day of my trouble I will call upon you, for you will answer me. Among the gods there is none like you, O Lord, nor are there any works like your works. All nations whom you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous things, you alone are God. Teach me your way, O Lord, I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name, for I will praise you, O Lord my God, with all my heart, and I will glorify your name forevermore. For great is your mercy towards me, and you have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. O God, the proud have risen up against me, and a mob of violent men have sought my life and have not set you before them. But you, O Lord, are a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering, and abundant in mercy and truth. O turn to me and have mercy on me. Give strength to your servant and save the son of your maid servant. Show me a sign for good, those who hate me, that those who hate me may see it and be ashamed, because you, Lord, have helped me and comforted me. So you'd, you'd look at Psalm 86 and say, Wow, 
David knew how to pray. And David knew how to mess up. His son Solomon was a great man of prayer. He prayed that prayer in the temple, and the glory fell so thick that they couldn't even minister. But yet they were men of, of incredible failures. But what they showed us is that if we pray according to his will, it shall be done. And there becomes the thing. People want all their prayers answered. Are they praying in accordance with his will? 1 John five fourteen and 15. Now this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know we have the petitions that we have asked of him. It's got to line up with his will for you and his word. So sometimes answered prayer results in unanswered petitions. Not every petition is granted. Job demanded answers from God, but his answers were eclipsed by the awesome privilege of encountering him. So we as believers, no matter what we're going through, must cherish communion with the Father more than our petitions. We must cherish our relationship with him more than what we're asking for. Didn't Yeshua become sorrowful to the point of death? Prayed three times that the cuff of suffering might pass him, but nevertheless was submissive to his Father's will? John twelve twenty seven. Now my soul is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? But for this purpose I came to this hour. Matthew 26, verses 38, 39, 42, and 45. This is red-letter basics on accepting the will of God. My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He's talking to his disciples. So he goes on a little further and falls on his face and prays, Oh, my Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Again, a second time. He prayed, saying, O Father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. And then he came to his disciples and said, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. After the praying, after the sweating drops of blood, after the stress and the anguish, the outcome was right there. It wasn't what he asked for, but it was what the Father wanted. And what we see right there is the example that the boldness of the petition to alter God's will fell under the submission of the hard path and what he was about to suffer. That's not easy to do. If you read about the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, he was praying for deliverance from a thorn in his flesh. It was a health issue. Concerning this thing, 1 Corinthians 12, 8 and 9, concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will most glad, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Messiah may rest upon me. What was more important at that point, the healing well, the glory of God, this thorn in his flesh, which he attributed to Satan, was allowed by God so that the power of Paul's faith in God and God's grace with Paul would be shown in Paul's weakness. But the thing that we have to remember, especially as we look at what's going on in the world right now, God allows things for a reason. He's in control. I do not believe that Hasatan, Satan, and the fallen can do anything but what he allows them to do. There are restrictions. There are boundaries. There are uh, things that hold them back. Otherwise, we wouldn't stand a chance. If that wasn't in place, if God did not restrict the limits to what they could do, we would have all been destroyed already. But what Paul learned and we need to learn that sometimes being denied a prayer or petition will lead to the eventual greater good of God being glorified. Look at Romans 8, starting verse 14. For as many 
as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not read, receive the spirit of a bondage, of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Messiah, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit in a believer allows you to call him Abba, call him Papa, Daddy. And it is the Spirit working within you that allows you to address him as a child. But here's the deal. Children don't always get what they want from their parents, do they? Not everything they want is good for them. They get what they need. Food, shelter, clothing, and most importantly, love. As someone who grew up in a broken home with a father that walked out and never looked back, never spent the money supporting anything, never never took care of us, never did anything for me and my sister, I have a very low opinion of fathers, that in their anger with their mate or with whatever is going on, take it out on the children. We don't have to worry about that with our Heavenly Father. He's going to give us what we need, but He's not going to always give us what we want. Sometimes what we get isn't what we ask for. Again, I can't imagine what the people in the Bahamas are going through what their family members are going through. They prayed, and he didn't answer their prayer. I can tell you that when I was interceding for Florida, I began to try to intercede for the Bahamas. And the Lord stopped me and said, I will not spare them. And then immediately thoughts began to flash in my mind of their allowance of voodoo, witchcraft, the religiosity of the church, all the things that people have turned a blind eye to. And you could say, well, why doesn't he punish the religious leaders and the people that did it? Folks, when we come into agreement with sin, we become subject to that sin. And as the church, we've been called to speak out against these things. We've been called to pray against these things. We've been called to stand against these things. But we have allowed the sin and the corruption and the debauchery and everything that we've talked about for years here on the porch to be common and every day. And we go there and we sit there and we put our tithe in the thing. And what we're saying is, hey, Mr. Pastor, I know you cheat on your taxes. I know your teenage daughter has had more than one sexual partner, and she's not married. I hear what's going on behind the, the doors here, and, and I believe it to be true, but I'm going to put my tithe in your basket, and I'm going to offer this up to Lord in your name. No, 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 no. The minute you do that, you come into agreement with that sin. Paul says, if one is blessed, we're all blessed. If one is sick, we're all sick. But we have to get to the point where suffering doesn't shock us. Romans eight eighteen. For I consider that the sufferings of this present age are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly awaits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope, because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption in the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope. But hope that is not seen is not hope for why does one still hope for what he sees? No, but what we hope for we do not see. We eagerly await for it with perseverance. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. 
Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. I believe what will come out of Hurricane Dorian and the ones that will come after and all the things that we're seeing in the coming days and years. I believe that the remnant will wake up, will rise up. I believe the church will begin to establish itself and do what it was told to do, to be a beacon, to minister to people, to help people, to clothe them, to feed them, and to begin to act on the nature of the Holy Spirit. But quoting everything I read, it says, we eagerly await for him. Well, this gets back to the title. Are we prepared for that? Are we prepared for the coming of the king? Well, the interesting thing was this past Monday, I awoke with a song playing over and over my head. The Lord does that a lot. And there was only one part of the song. I'm going to play a small clip from that song and hope I don't get into trouble and be out to delete it, which I will, but it's only a 20-second clip. And it's from a Joshua Aaron song called My Beloved. Let me, let me just let you hear the part I heard as I awoke. And I heard it all day and I still hear it in my head. I need the doldy, the doldy I am my beloved, my beloved is mine. I need the doldy, the doldy I am my beloved, my beloved is mine. And I kept hearing that over and over and over. And you can go onto YouTube if you don't have the album. It's Joshua Aaron, my beloved, Wedding Waltz. And he wrote it for his wife, apparently. You can see by the lyrics. But he based it upon a line from the Song of Solomon. Ani Lododi Vidodi Lee. I am my beloved, my beloved is mine. And even today, suddenly it would just burst out of me. I kept thinking, Lord, why am I hearing this? Why am I in the midst of all this and waiting for this storm and, and everything I've been doing? Why do I keep hearing this wedding waltz song in my head? See, what I didn't realize, somebody had pointed out to me, is that Sunday, September 1st, was the beginning of the month of Elul the month preceding Rosh Hashanah to prepare for the High Holy Days for a measure of preparedness. There's that word again. And Jewish tradition points to the name of the month as symbolically appropriate to the letters of Elul forming an acronym for the words in the verse, Ani Ladodi Vadodi Li, I am my beloved, and my beloved is mine, in Song of Solomon 6.3. So on the day, that this came into effect, I begin to hear the music of a wedding feast during a period of time that to the unsaved Jew, they see this as uh, the time to get close to God as we approach the days of awe, to trust his judgment. Well, I have trusted his judgment, and Yeshua paid it for me on the cross. But I see different things in this month. Yes, it's the twelfth and final month of the Jewish calendar. Yes, it will connect us to the from the past year to the new year. But did you know that it's taught that during this time the king is in the field and he's readily accessible and willing to hear our requests and our fervent prayers for the coming year? And I saw that and I went, yes, the king is in the field. He's in the harvest field and he's asking us to join him. He's asking us to help him. Hey, there's a marriage supper about to happen. And I've got some wedding attire for you. Go out there and get them. It's a period of time where we we hide away. We, we take refuge from the ravages of the material life. We take audit of spiritual accounts. We take a look at the year gone by and we prepare for the days of our Rosh Hashanah in Yom Kippur. By repenting. That's every day for me, folks. I get it. I I understand why he had to establish a schedule for them. But once you've met him at the cross, and once you've been born again, and once the Holy Spirit's inside of you, this is kingdom of God living. 
repentance. Resolving for the future, doing what needs to be done, meeting the king in the field. I am my beloved, and my beloved is mine. And I, and I began to think, Lord, what, what are you telling me? So I sent out a word to people. I put it up on social media. Well, apparently the Lord wants me to read it, so now i got to pull it up. Hold on. Bear with me here. This is from Monday the 2nd, 6.56 a.m. The Lord gave me the scripture, Isaiah 43.19, Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth, so shall you not know it? Even, I even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And what I wrote down is to do a new thing, the old must be removed. It must be demolished and discarded. The wilderness sand must be stomped down and smoothed out and his road built. He will cut grooves for the river of blessings coming. He will choose where and how wide. And what we drink, he serves us. We have no control over that river. In the past, people have tried to hoard and build dams for themselves. No more will he tolerate that. Submission is the invitation and humility the cup that will let you drink. A warning has been sent to the hirelings and wolves in sheep's clothing. He's coming with his rod to drive you out and break your hold on his flock. They were always his flock and not yours. Shake the sand of the wilderness out of your shoes and walk his road. The road and the river are for his kingdom and his glory. Lord, what are you saying to me? And then I heard it in my heart, I heard it in my mind, I heard it in my spirit. The preparation for the wedding has begun. Song of Solomon's, Song of Solomon 6. And if you know anything about the Song of Solomon, it's a love story of God to Israel, of Yeshua, the Messiah, to the church. 6-2, the Shulamite, my beloved, this is the Shulamite saying, my beloved has gone to his garden, to, to the bed of spices, to feed his flock in the gardens and to gather lilies. I am my beloved's. And my beloved is mine. He feeds his flock among the lilies. The affirmation of the mutual possession reveals the couple is working together to solve all the difficulties to come into that union. And the security of the relationship is an experiential reality. Well, does that not speak to us as the church? But what's amazing is that Solomon wrote this early in his years. Because if you look at some of the other verses in, in verse uh, 8 of chapter 6, he mentions 60 queens and 80 concubines. But then you look at First Kings 11, at the end of his life, he had 700 wives, 700 queens, 300 concubines, and he had a serious sexual addiction, if you ask me, due to political expediency and sexual indulgence. And you see that. Remember I said great man of prayer, but extremely flawed. First Kings 11, starting with verse 1, Solomon loved many foreign women, as well as the daughters of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites, from the nations of whom the Lord had said to the children of Israel, You shall not intermarry with them, nor they with you. Surely they will turn away your hearts after their gods. Well, Solomon clung to these in love. 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines as wives turned away his heart. For it was so when Solomon was old that his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not loyal to the God, to the Lord his God, as was the heart of his father David. Now look at this man, great man of God, prayer of war, he built the temple. He went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord, and he let, and did not fully follow the Lord as did his father David. He built the high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, 
on the hills that is east of Jerusalem, and from Moloch the abomination of the people of Ammon. And he did likewise for all his foreign wives who burned incense and sacrificed to their gods. Sometimes great people do really bad things. And I looked at all that, and I looked at the message, but he, he wrote this beautiful song of, song, song of Solomon. He had it early on, and he lost it later through what? Through adultery, spiritual and physical. He lost it by compromise. He lost it by some of the things I talked about at the beginning. Turning a blind eye to sin and coming into agreement with things he shouldn't have come into agreement with. Coming into union, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual, which things that were corrupt and demonic and satanic. Folks, if there was ever a time for the church to wake up, if there was ever a time for we as individuals to say, no more, I can't turn a blind eye to this, no more can I put my tithe, my gift, my offering into a ministry that I know has these things, no more can I buy the music of people that say that this sin is okay and that sin's okay, grace, grace, God is grace, he doesn't care about those things anymore, I can't do that. I can't come into agreement with the sin and the debauchery and the compromise. I'm getting ready to go to a wedding feast. I need to get prepared. Go to Matthew 22. Verse 1, And Yeshua answered, spoke to them by parables, and said, The kingdom of heaven, which is the same thing as kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged marriage for his son. And sent out his servants to call all those who were invited to the wedding. And they were not willing to come. And again he sent out other servants saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and fatted cattle are killed, and things, all things are ready. Come to the wedding. But they made light of it, and went their ways, one to his farm, another to his business. And the rest seized his servants, treated them spitefully, and killed them. But when the king heard about it, he was furious. He sent out his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Therefore, go into the highways, and as many as you can find, invite to the wedding." So the servants went out into the highways and gathered together all whom they found, both bad and good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he saw a man there who did not have on a wedding garment. And so he said to him, Friend, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? And and the man was speechless. And the king said to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, Take him away and cast him into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. This is the marriage of his son. Revelation 19.7 Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. And the messengers of the gospel have been sent out with invitations to this feast. Psalm sixty-eight, eleven: The Lord gave the word, and great was the company of those who proclaimed it. Jeremiah 35, 15, I have also sent to you my servants, the prophets, rising up early and sending them, saying, Turn now everyone from his evil way, amend your doings, and do not go after other gods to serve them. Then you will dwell in the land which I have given you and your fathers, but you have not inclined your ear, nor obeyed me. And it was customary in that time for two invitations to be given, one in advance, and then one when all things were ready. And the first one was sent out long before the celebration, so that the people would have plenty of times to prepare themselves for the banquet that was coming at a specific time that they would be given notice about. But those that had gotten the original invitation, eh, meh, not interested, sorry, i got other things to do. 
Then a second one is sent out, and it says, Oh, come, it's ready. The prophets, John the Baptist, Yeshua himself, the disciples, the messengers of the gospel, the preachers, the teachers, those that have gone out there, they've been given notice. The people have been told to prepare. We're in that period of time where there should be an excitement about the bride and and the bridegroom and the wedding, and there should be an excitement about it. But I talk to people and go, ah, no, none of that's going to happen. Ah, he's just going to come back. No, no, there's no rapture. There's no, there's no snatching. There's none of that. It doesn't matter that the word says that we are not appointed to wrath. It doesn't matter that the time of Jacob's trouble is for the Jews that have rejected him. It doesn't matter that message after message after message was get ready. Everybody's too busy. They, they, they've been told to come, but they won't. Nah, they'd rather not. That's that thing about free will. They've made a choice. There's nothing I can do anything about it. And they make they make light of it. They treat it with contempt as if it's a thing of no consequence. Oh man, you're so super religious. No, I'm not religious. I have a relationship with someone that I am passionately in love with and that I serve and that I would die for. I'm I'm not religious. You don't if you say that you don't understand. I saw somebody posted about prayer and the storm. Well, you know, I get religion and all that, but if, if we could do that, there'd be no storms. Okay, Forrest, take, take your chocolate and go wait for the bus. Give me a break. But that's the way people think, and those aren't sinners. Those are people that claim to be a part of the church. They don't understand the gospel message. They don't care about it. They make light of it. They're not looking for his coming. They're living day to day in a fallen world according to a fallen world system. They don't have an eye on the sky. They don't have an eye on the, on the field. The king's in the field. Shouldn't we be in the field with him? He said, harvest the great, labor is a few. Come on, come help me with this. There's no concern for the kingdom of God. One went to his farm and one to his business They were engaged in worldly endeavors, and that's what had their attention. A relationship with the living God, a relationship with the Savior is not a part of their equation. Yeah, I got two hours on Sunday. No, no, no. I'm talking about every day of the week. I'm talking about every minute of every hour of every day that you wake up singing praise songs, that spontaneously your hands go up. I was preparing for the hurricane. The gutters were filled. I'd been putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. And now it's coming. And, of course, you know, it's slowed to a crawl. But we thought it would be here Monday, possibly Tuesday. And I only had a couple of days to do everything. And I don't work on the Sabbath. And I said, Lord, is it okay if I clean the gutters on the Sabbath? He said, go ahead. So I got out there, got on the ladder, and I put on my headset, and I'm listening to Joshua Aaron. It's the Sabbath. I should be worshiping. So I'm going to worship the Lord while I'm cleaning the gutters. Now, I know my neighbors can see me because I'm, you know, 10, 15 feet in the air. And every now and then in the middle of a song with the dirty gloves and the the little uh, trowel uh, scooping out the leaves, I threw my hands up in the air and began to worship him and began to praise him. And it was hot. It was about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And I said, but you know what, Lord, thank you for allowing me to do this on the Sabbath. And at that moment, a cool breeze, cold breeze came by and cooled me off. It just came right through. And I said, thank you, Lord. And I'm going down, and, and, and it's getting a little hotter, and all of a sudden a little sun shower comes and cools me off. And I said, thank you, Lord. And then I'm in the front. Of, that was in the back of the house where only my, certain, my, my neighbors can see me. But then I'm in the front of the house on a sidewalk in a busy street praising the Lord and singing praise songs out loud and watching people walk by, turning towards me and looking at me, and I would just wave at them and smile. I may be in a fallen world, but I live in the kingdom of God. And I am prepared, and I am preparing for His coming. And I'm getting out there with my brothers, and we're going to do a job to help other people prepare. We're going to beat the, beat the wolves off of these areas. We're going to take the lamb out of the lion's mouth. 
We're going to raise up and train up other warriors who prepare to grab the sword of the Spirit and do what needs to be done. We don't have an attitude of indifference. But I see that the majority of the church does. And then there's the business aspect, the merchant, merchandising and the traffic and the trading. And I saw that word going about their business. And the, the Greek word is merchandise, traffic, trading. That where have I heard this before? By the abundance of your trading. You became filled with violence within, and you sinned. Therefore, I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God, and I destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery stones. Your commerce, your lawlessness, your profane babbling, your trading and and everything, your pitch, your sales pitch, Satan, Hasatan, adversary that caused you and a third of your brothers to fall. Greed, self-indulgence, vanity, self-centeredness is the downfall of those who've been invited to the feast. Hey man, I ain't got time for that. I, you know, I got to sell some DVDs. I got to sell some books. I got, I got some conferences to go to. That's you, brother. You preach the gospel. You do all that. I'm a watchman. I sit on the tower. I tell people what's coming. There's no New Testament reference for watchmen. You want to know why? Because we were told to go, go out into all the world, make disciples of all nations. And by the way, even the Old Testament watchmen came off the wall to fight. But this guy, this last guy, he shows up. I'll give him credit for that. He showed up. He wanted in on the wedding feast, but he was unprepared and unacceptable. Now, why? Why was he unacceptable? Because during that time when the king invited you to the wedding, he gave you the apparel to wear. This guy showed up without the right clothing. How many people do you know that believe that they're born again? that you suspect might be a little shocked on that day. He had been invited. He had wanted to come, but he was unprepared. Revelation 3.18, the Lord says, I counsel you to buy for me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich, and white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness might not may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve so that you may see. The garment of fine linen is worn by the bride of the Lamb, the righteous of the saints. Revelation 19, 8, And to her it was granted to be arrayed in what fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. This guest had ignored the basic obligation of wearing the robe of righteousness and the clothes of white linen given to him by the king in the invitation. He showed up in his own clothes. He showed up dirty. He showed up unprepared. Your righteousness is worthless, folks. Your works won't do it. Take his. If the king gives you the gift of wedding attire, put it on. Because to refuse it is the highest insult and act of contempt to the king. We're coming to a wedding banquet. It won't be in spoiled, wrinkled, dirty clothing. For I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. For he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. Isaiah 61.10 It's his righteousness that we wear. We put on his righteousness that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in what? In true righteousness and holiness. It's his righteousness. Stop wearing your own clothing. Stop thinking, well, I, I can't. I, can't, I, I got to be me. I got to be. Yeah, well, you can be you. You can be you with all the other yous that are going to be in the lake swimming in fire and brimstone with Satan and his angels. No, I'd rather look like everybody else at the wedding feast. The man came to the feast unprepared, unworthy, insulted the king. And he was cast into outer darkness. And folks, he was speechless. He had no excuse and he knew it. 
And so it will be with all the hypocrites that have played religious games, have been a part of the dog and pony show, have done nothing what they were taught to do, that have hoarded his blessings, that have tried to dam up the river of the blessings, and have done nothing for no one. He knew he was at fault. He knew he had no argument for the king, and yet he did it anyway. And he was cast into the outer darkness, which is judgment. The sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. They'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth, Matthew eight twelve, Matthew twenty five thirty, And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. They'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Folks, many have been called. They've been invited. Few have been chosen. Father, I just come to you now. I pray that we would watch and pray always and be counted worthy to escape all the things that are about to happen, that they would pass us by so that we would stand before your Son, ready, prepared, accepted. I pray during this period of time that we will take advantage of what you taught your children Israel, And we would begin to examine ourselves. Are there parts of our lives that need to be changed? How do we prepare for what's coming? How do we prepare for the blessing? How do we prepare to go do what you fulfilled 2,000 years ago, Lord? You broke the hold. You set us free. But we're waiting. We earnestly await. We eagerly await. We have the hope and the expectation of your return. Lord, we we rejoice in you, and we are joyful in God our Father, our Abba Father, because he has given us the garments of salvation. He has covered us with the robe of righteousness. He has placed it upon our shoulders. He has come around in front of us and pulled it tight to make sure it fits right. And the smile on his face says how good you look in it. And we will be a part of the great multitude which no one could number. Nations, tribes, people, and tongues standing before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, palm branches in hand. We may have to suffer to get there. But if I'm going to get dressed up for any feast, that's how I'm getting dressed up. So, Lord, until then, help us. Help us to do the job. Help us to get out in the field with you and do the work because I am my beloved my beloved is mine. You are everything to us. And we love you with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul and all our spirit. And if there's anything in our lives right now that are keeping us from loving you and having the relationship with you that you desire right now in the name of Yeshua, in the name of Jesus, in the name above all names, let it go. And if it's got a hold of you, I command it to let you go. That your eyes would be open, your mind would be clear. Let go of the things you're holding on to that are not of God. Get off those work clothes and those dirty clothes and the old clothes you brought with you from your former life and put on that garment. Let it be a garment of praise. Yeah, there's a storm happening. There's a storm happening in your life. There's a storm happening in the world. Yet people are dying from it. They're being destroyed. They're losing everything. But there's one thing that the storms and the destructions and Hasatan and the fallen and all those things can take away from you. The love of God can never be taken away from you. Your salvation can never be taken away from you, but you can willingly give it up. Don't bargain it away for nothing. Be prepared. This is the time. The marriage supper of the Lamb is being prepared. The places are being set. The napkins are in place. The utensils are ready. He's ready. We have to get ready. The invitations have been given out, and the final call is going to come. Are you prepared? Are you prepared? That's the question I lay out in the Spirit. Lord, help us prepare. Holy Spirit, help us prepare. And I just pray this, Lord, with all of my heart, with all of my mind, all my soul, all my spirit, everything that is in me, I pray this in Yeshua's name. Amen.
May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. I'm Richard Grund. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio. This weekend at Kohl's, take an extra 15% off. Save on men's and women's denim. Get Under Armour shoes for the family, $59.99 and under. And pick up a Power XL air fryer, just $84.99. Plus, take an extra $10 off your back-to-school purchase of $50 or more. Plus, store drive-up. And get a little more for your wallet with Kohl's Cash. Shop Kohl's and Kohl's.com. Select styles, 15% off with promo code Notebook and August 16th. Under Armour offers and coupons do not apply. 10 off 50 with promo code BTS10 and August 23rd. Some exclusions apply. See store or Kohl's.com for details. This weekend at Kohl's, take an extra 15% off. Save on men's and women's denim. Get Under Armour shoes for the family, $59.99 and under. And pick up a Power XL air fryer, just $84.99. Plus, take an extra $10 off your back-to-school purchase of $50 or more. Plus, store drive-up. And get a little more for your wallet with Kohl's Cash. Shop Kohl's and Kohl's.com. Select styles, 15% off with promo code Notebook and August 16th. Under Armour offers and coupons do not apply. 10 off 50 with promo code BTS10 and August 23rd. Some exclusions apply. See store or Kohl's.com for details.